when it comes to taking the NAVLE, it's less about what you know and more about how you take the exam. That will determine how successful you are or what your outcome score will be. Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of That Vet Life. Today on the podcast, we are going to talk about the five letters that strike fear into almost any veterinary student, and those are the letters N-A-V-L-E. And if you guys can spell, which I mean you're in vet school, so yes you can, that spells NAVLE, or the North American Veterinary Licensing Exam. I feel like at this moment we should have a dun-dun-dun kind of sound playing, because that's the the type of fear that is struck into most vet students when they hear those letters. But that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what it is, when you take it, how to study for this beast of an exam, and the mindset that you should have going into it and afterwards. So we're going to dive deep into this. So let's jump into today's episode. Okay, so the NAVLE, the North American Veterinary Licensing Exam, If you are a vet student in the U.S. or you plan on practicing in the U.S. or Canada, you know about the NAVLE. If you guys are in the U.K., in Europe, anywhere else in the world, you're like, what's the NAVLE? Or maybe you've heard about it from your classmates. You don't really have to worry about it unless you plan on wanting to be licensed in North America, but it's probably good just to be aware of it. But anyway, if you want to listen along, great. If not, we'll see you next week. So the NAVLE, oh goodness, what is this exam? If you are a first-year vet student, you've probably heard little inklings about it. Maybe you've heard about it as a pre-vet. But yes, North American Veterinary Licensing Exam. It is what you must take and pass in order to practice veterinary medicine in like, basically North America and the United States. And it's a beast of an exam. You have up to seven hours to take this exam in most cases. It is just an absolute grind. As someone who has been through the exam, it was not fun in the least bit. I finished my exam, walked out into the sunlight afterwards, and I felt like my brain should have been oozing out of my ears. That is just how mentally drained I was. There were even points in the exam where, because you take this on a computer, where I was staring at the screen. And literally, I just had to like blink, look away, and I had to make the text larger on the screen because I felt like my eyes were going fuzzy after staring at this computer screen nonstop for the past like four and a half, five hours. It was mental. Granted, you do get some breaks during this exam. You have little spots where you can stop and like kind of exit out, go and sign out. They make you do like almost like as close to a pat down as you can get to make sure you're not hiding any exam material for like information on you anywhere and you're on your person. You can't really bring water or food or anything into the testing center, but you can have it out on your breaks. But it's a serious thing. It's not just some little exam that you're taking in vet school. So seven hours, uh, it covers all the species. So regardless of whether or not you track in vet school, you will have to know pigs and horses and goats and sheep and a little bit of aquatics and some chickens and communication and some other little bits and pieces in order to take this exam. Granted, it's mostly knowledge-based. It's not necessarily, here, show me how you do a jug stick on a cow. Like, that's not the point of the exam. It's a competency exam. But you will still have to know this wide breadth of knowledge. 
which a way to think about it to kind of break it down is that you have to know a mile wide of information that's about an inch deep. That's a lesser way of putting it. But it's still a lot of information. And of course, you're thinking, I am never going to practice medicine on pigs. I don't want to touch them or chickens or whatever it is. But you still have to know enough to take the exam. So now that I've just kind of scared you guys a little bit more, let's dive into this a little bit more. We've talked about what it is, why you have to take it. So maybe you don't know, okay, when do you take the exam? So the exam is usually taken in the October, October? Fall period of the year for final year vet students. So that's right about now, time-wise, at least when I'm recording this episode, that most people are having to get to that just a little over 30-day mark of when they're probably going to take their NAVLI exam as final year vet students. If you are a first or a second year vet student, do not worry about this exam. Please do not. It is not worth your time or your stress. You have other things to be focusing on. In general, the recommendation to start studying and like intensely studying for the NAVLI is about June or July of the year that you're going to take the NAVLI. So in general, that gives you like three to six months of hardcore study time in the lead up to when you take your exam. And that's what most of the prep materials are based on is that time frame. So if you're in first, second, even third year of vet school, like there's no reason for you to get these materials necessarily for you to be saying, I'm studying for the NAVLI. No, you should just be studying for the courses that you're in. That is what's going to prepare you. And that is what you're trying to learn to be a vet. You're not studying to take the NAVLI. You're studying to be a veterinarian. Keep that in your mind. That should be your mindset. Focusing too much on the NAVLI at this point is just going to make you more stressed and more worried than you need to be. So in talking about that three to six month period of leading up to the NAVLI, like what do you study? How do you study? (laughs) Like these are all questions that you in a way have to figure out uh, on your own or just by asking those who are around you. So the, the main two prep materials that are available for vet students are going to be vet prep and Zuku. There are other ones that are available. You can go and look them up, but we're just going to focus on vet prep and Zuku. For myself, I actually um, was a rep for vet prep, and so that's what I used. I loved it. It did great for me. I mean, I passed the exam on the first go, but that's not to say that vet prep is the best one to use. Some people prefer Zuku. They felt it better mirrored the kind of questions and the format of the NAVLI. I thought vet prep did the same thing for me. So I feel like you cannot go wrong with either Zuku or vet prep. Again, don't stress too much about it. If five of your friends are on vet prep and you got Zuku and now you're afraid that you're going to fail the NAVLI because you got Zuku and not vet prep and just don't do that don't do it. It's not worth it. Seriously, if you're like, hey, Zuku is a better option financially for me, do Zuku. You'll be fine. Like there's no reason to compare it to vet prep and vice versa. There are other options out there when it comes to studying for the NAVLI. And one of the big things to consider, especially someone who came from uh, studying in the UK, is I did have to in a way, focus down a bit more on U.S. or North American-based diseases that just didn't exist or weren't as heavily covered um, in my studies over in the U.K. But where was I going with this? 
Yes. So other materials that you can use through the ICVA, which is essentially the governing body for the NAVLI. It's the International Council for Veterinary Assessment. If you go to their website, this is what I'm going to point you guys to right now. If you go to icva.net backslash NAVLI backslash practice hyphen versions backslash. (laughs) So if you go there, you can find a ton of prep resources. And this has a couple different things. So we're going to focus first on the list of competencies and diagnoses. So as you're going through either your vet prep or your Zuku, which I'd recommend you get one of them. Yes, it is expensive, but it's worth it. So if you have those uh, or one of those, um, the next thing that you should do is you should go into the NAVLI competencies and diagnoses tab. And what this is, is a listing, literally bullet point listing of the diagnoses that are grouped by species and organ system within those species. And you can basically go through and check them off to be like, okay, I have studied this. I feel comfortable in this. Bing, bang, boom, done. And you can work your way through all of the pages. It is quite extensive, I will say. So if you find that you're spending way too much time on just pigs, maybe you should move on and do cattle or horses or dogs and cats, which the dog and cat section is going to be the largest of them all. At least that's what I found at the time. But it makes you feel more comfortable that you've seen the material multiple times because you will have been exposed to it when you are doing your NAVLI or your vet prep sessions. And then you see it again in these listings, which you can dive into your actual studies from vet school, which that stuff is going to prepare you. Again, it's preparing you to be a vet. And taking the NAVLI is required to be a vet. So in essence, your studies are going to prepare you for the NAVLI. So if you take your studies, go through the diagnoses list, build that out to be a study guide. Honestly, whatever way works best for you that you found for the last four years of vet school to study diseases, to study organ systems, use that to your advantage. There's no reason to change up your study style in the way that of how you learn information and make it stick. So use that to your advantage. Go through the diagnoses list. Also go through the competencies list. It's not as in-depth and it doesn't comprise as much of the NAVLI, but still it's important to go through. And um, those talk about some uh, communication, some leadership, practice management, health management, um, epidemiology, those kind of things that there's not as many of those questions on the NAVLI. However, they are there. They do count towards your total. So you might as well make use of it. Might as well study it. It is going to help you as a veterinarian, which again, that is your mindset. That is your goal. The NAVLI is is just a step to there. Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at VetX. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession. Much more likely, you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our VetEx community. The Thrive community is a race-accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits, and one-to-one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, visit vetexinternational.com today. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one 
now we're going to get back to part two of that vet life podcast over to you mo so that is one of the things that you can find on the icva.net website and the other thing is the self-assessment exams i feel like saying assessment exam is kind of redundant anyway you get what i'm saying so these self-assessments are available there are a couple sample questions that you can take which are free or and this is the thing that i'd highly recommend when you are about a month out from your navli don't do it sooner it'll be a waste of your money not necessarily but in most cases it'll be a waste of your money is the self-assessment that you do pay like 50 or 65 dollars for and it is a three and a half hour long i think it's like 220 questions or something like that let me take a look here yet uh, yes, it says 200 multiple choice questions that are presented in four sections of 50 items each. So what this is, is an opportunity for you to force yourself to have to sit down in front of a computer, ideally in a quiet environment that will best mimic the testing center and really kind of practice I mean, if this was a marathon, honestly, like practicing for the marathon. So you, it'll make you sit down, take the questions, see if you, A, know the dang information, which chances are you do. However, the bigger part of doing this, and this is why I recommend doing it about 30 days out from the exam, is to practice taking the exam. And I said that slower and more intentionally because when it comes to taking the NAVLI, it's less about what you know and more about how you take the exam. I'm going to say that again. It's less about what you know and more about how you take the exam that will determine how successful you are or what your outcome score will be. And one thing that I find happens is, and granted, this is just my observation. This is not rooted in research by any way, but if you don't practice taking the exam and get comfortable with that, your score will reflect that. So if you struggle taking exams, if you struggle with the format, that's probably what you should focus a little bit more time on than you have in the past. Because in most cases, you'll know the information. It's not necessarily hard questions. Granted, there are, <laughs> I guess there's a little caveat to that. There are some difficult questions. But the biggest challenge of this exam is actually taking it. It's being comfortable with the format. It's figuring out how they ask the questions that will determine what your outcome is. And that's, that's kind of the biggest takeaway of this whole episode. If you get nothing else, absolutely nothing else from the entirety of this episode, know that you should practice with the format of the exam. So taking the sample questions that are free are awesome because you can just see what it looks like. But to actually taking the self-assessment about 30 days out will help you see what it looks like. It'll help you reflect on how you respond to that format. And it'll help you identify, A, how long into the exam do you start getting fidgety? How long into the exam do you start feeling stress? What are your stress signals? How do you respond to those stress signals? How, what do you do on your breaks that helps you basically like come down from that stress? These are all things that you need to practice. And an episode that I recorded probably, hmm, I want to say it was soon after I took the NAVLI, 
it compared distance running, which I had just kind of really gotten into. I'd done a couple half marathons at that point. I compared distance running and training for those half marathons to preparing and taking the NAVLE. And it was crazy how many different things mirrored each other between the NAVLE and these uh, half marathons. And some of those similarities was A, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You should practice that as such. And what you do in practice is what you'll do in the race or do in the exam. So if you are studying in a way that is allowing you to be super distracted, um, you always have snacks and food and water on hand, it's not necessarily going to set you up as successfully as if for some of your study sessions, not every single one, you kind of say, all right, these next four hours, I'm going to do X number of questions on vet prep, and I'm going to sit myself down in this room. I'm going to wear these headphones so that it's quieter, and I'm not going to allow myself to have my snacks and my water like within reach just because you won't have that in the testing center. Like you just won't. So, better to practice those things now and see how you react to it in these little sample sessions. So, again, what you do in practice is what you'll do in the exam or do in the race. So, that's that's those are a couple of things. The other one is to your mind is basically set your mindset. So as we talked about already, like figuring out what your why is, that's one of the biggest things when you're becoming a veterinarian. It's like, what is your why? Why do you want to do this? And really focusing down on that so that when things are hard, when they're tough, when they're boring, when they're stressful, you can center yourself on that. And and that's something to remember as you're doing all of these study sessions, because they are boring. They are monotonous. They are going to make you feel silly and dumb at times because like you'll take your vet prep exam questions and you'll be like, wow, I did not get near as many of those right as I thought. That's okay. Really focus down and be like, okay, yes, I got those wrong. These are the steps I'm going to put in place because I want to do well on this exam because gosh darn it, I'm going to be a veterinarian. (laughs) Like really focus down on that why. So your mindset, practice what you do in your practice so that you can do that in your exam. And then this is something that is more for after the exam, but run your own dang race. So much of what we see nowadays, especially with social media, is you'll have people that are posting their study sessions for vet prep or their Zuku study sessions and how many questions they're getting right and how good they're feeling about it. Remember, that's just a snapshot. It's not all-encompassing for what's happening in their study sessions. It's not there to change how you feel about your own study sessions or, or even after the exam This is a whole whole thing. I could go into a whole rant on this. But after the exam, I feel like almost everybody, well, not everybody, a large number of people are going to post whether they passed or whether they failed the NAVLE. Whether or not your friends pass or fail the NAVLE has no implication, absolutely no implication on you. Your score, whether that was a really high score, a low score, a passing score, a failing score, has no implication on who you are as a veterinarian. And as much as I want to, like I I celebrate with my friends, like after they did well on on the NAVLE, like that's awesome. I want to celebrate that with you. However, there's going to always be people that did not pass the NAVLE. And it's a fine line to walk for sure. 
But it's that question you want to ask in your mind where if you're posting this on social media, chances are you're posting it to hundreds, if not thousands of people you don't actually physically know. And you're in a way saying, look at what I've done. Give me validation for what I've just done, even though I don't know you and you're validation will be fleeting. It's not going to be lasting in any way, shape, or form. Whereas if you were to celebrate that with your close friends, that's going to have a lot more meaning and it's going to be a lot longer lasting. So uh, my two cents on this is don't post your results after the exam. There, I said it. Okay. But I want you guys, as you're doing your studies, to run your own dang race. I don't want you to be worrying about what everybody else is doing in their studies. Granted, it can be This is the one caveat that I think it is beneficial to do some of these studies with your friends, because just like training for a half marathon, it's more fun to do with friends than it is to do by yourself. So setting up a couple sessions, either with vet preps questions, which there's some fun games, even some drinking games that you can play with uh, vet prep or just some of these self-assessment questions and kind of just have fun with it. Studying doesn't have to be boring, doesn't have to be monotonous. It's going to be a heck of a lot more fun if you do it with your friends. So Go ahead and and set up some sessions with your friends. Okay, so we've talked a bit about what the NAVLI is, when you're going to end up taking it, when you should start studying, some of the methods that you can use to study for this exam. And I don't know if there's too much more that I should really, really drill down on about this exam other than the fact that, like, remember, like, this is just an exam. It does not make or break who you are or what you're going to be able to do as a veterinarian. Sure, you might have to take it multiple times. Yeah, that's going to suck. But at the end of the day, remember your why. Like, why do you want to become a veterinarian? Why is this so important to you? And use that to fuel you as you keep moving forward and keep studying. Because once you finish this NAVLI, That's kind of the the last little stepping stone (laughs) to becoming a veterinarian. And then you'll be faced with a new, even better adventure. All right, guys, I'm going to leave you with that thought. But if you have any questions, any thoughts on the matter, feel free to reach out either through Instagram or you can reach out through the VetX community. But until next time, y'all, see ya. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Vet Life.